Welcome to 801 Critical Conversations Beyond Backstage. Tonight in the pod bar, we have Herman, John, and me, Jen. If you remember from our previous episode's last call, we welcomed Angie Andrea. How do you manage, cope, and recover from burnout? So I think this is a really interesting question right now. Um, because I suspect there's a perception that we've all been a little bit at rest for the the last, what, 12, 14, 16, something like that, uh, months because the industry has been shut down. But as an educator, um, even with the industry shut down, education was not shut down and, and we were constantly like reinventing the wheel. But beyond that, I think everybody in their state of physical rest um, has experienced some form of physical burnout that's really interesting. I know that I, myself, at the end of, of last semester, just with the sheer volume of sitting in meetings, um, was completely physically burnout, which I really appreciate that Angie, in her description of the question during last call, uh, noted emotional, physical, creative burnout, right? Like there's different levels and, and different ways in which we can be burnt out. Um, and so I think in responding to her question, we should respond to all of those things. But I, I in some of the, in some aspects, I'm not sure I, I totally have a response, right? Because I know that I am still recovering physically from being burnt out on the, the sitting, right? We're not an industry that, that sits every day. <laughs> and suddenly a lot of us have been spending a lot of time on Zoom and I know my body has not physically recovered from that. So there's that component and then the emotional component to COVID, but then there's just like thinking back over the course of a career and different moments of actual creative burnout, which feels very foreign to me right now because there's been such a lack of creativity for 14, 16 months. I think uh, the, I think the first step in, in addressing any sort of burnout is identifying it and realizing that you are not happy in your position, you are, you have worked too hard, you need a break, or or whatever. And I know for me, uh, a lot of times, actually building in the shop and actually doing that facet of my work reinvigorates me and like gets me excited. Like whether I'm building a prop or or building something in general and getting my hands dirty, I really enjoy that. You know that aspect has always been the fundamental uh, reasons why I like creating theater um, is actually getting into the shop and, and making something. Um, it's all the other parts that really burn me out. And I think the things that are, are less work-related and more life-related, that's what brings me into a less than ideal space at work. And when things aren't going great in personal life, combined with pressures at work, it's a summation of all of the stresses that that I think lead to burnout the most. And even if those stresses uh, from the outside of work life are the fact that you don't have an outside of work life, um, that that can be a real 
contributing factor. You know, I, I think Herman has definitely spent more time on the road in those kinds of roles than Jenneri um, and, and how that contributes. So I'll let him talk about that um, if he wants. I think what's most interesting right now is that for the span of all of our careers up until this point of COVID, we've all have pretty much have had the same understanding of burnout and uh, in similar experiences, you know, some, some people have it for a longer time. Some people have had it. That cycle has repeated itself more often, but we kind of are familiar in, I'm, I'm speaking very much in broad terms as far as, uh, how we feel when it, it comes our way, what do we need to do to recover? So like there's the physical burnout, right? Where where the recovery is like, okay, I need to give myself a day off, right? Uh, you, you talked about John, my life on a road and even on the road, like, yeah, you're with the same people on the bus, off the bus and you're always together, but you still kind of find if you're at that burnout point, like, you really take advantage of your golden days. Uh, you really take advantage of that that meal break in town and kind of step away, grab a breath of fresh air. Uh, even being released for showers at the end of a loadout, uh, just that shower time becomes a, a little bit of a moment of of, of kind of de-stressing and, and helping to cope with the burnout, to manage it. Um, but where you talked about, John, that for you, when the life stresses get to you, and that's really kind of like what takes the toll on you, uh, it's almost like right now that's what we're being faced with, you know? Um, emotional burnouts pre-COVID, again, in very broad terms, tended to mean like we had a singular bad day. We had an argument. Uh, it was a very short term. Now, now we're, our life is kind of flip-flopped, you know, our work-life balance has 180, uh, which means our burnouts are less physical and way more emotional. Uh, and how you really recover from that, that that's, I don't know if I have the, the correct answer, you know, it's something to kind of, it, it's definitely worth a good discussion with others of, coming out of this COVID period, you know, here we are slowly getting back and you've definitely heard people saying like, okay, we're, we're going to have to kind of dust our skills off here and, and kind of slowly ramp up to a show. Uh, but the whole recovery of this emotional uh, burnout that I, that I just experienced that I am experienced, like how do I kind of get back into it emotionally? Uh, I don't know. The next time I hear pivot, the next time I hear the term pivot, it better be referring to a turntable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I, Herman, what's interesting to me is, is there are points where I feel like emotionally I'm in a way better space right now um, during coronavirus than, than 
when I'm inundated with the the atmosphere, the collaborative atmosphere that that we work in every day. Um, and so one thing that I've learned is there's there's a need that I have for boundaries. Um, and that boundary is around productive time for me, right? And who I whose energy I allow into that productive time, right? And and so I know that I'm not returning to working in my building, my physical office building as much as I did before, because I'm completely capable of doing that work in my home office and keeping that boundary where other people's problems, other people's energy, even just their desire to stop by and chat, which is like totally positive. And normally I welcome that it's invading my mental space and my creative space where I'm trying to, you know, engage in, in a, in a show or, or solve a problem or something like that. Um, and so that boundary emerged when we were f- literally forced out of our offices. And I, I felt almost refreshed by that because I was able to just like only deal with my emotion, right. And not the emotion of, of the team or of the space. Mm-hmm. Um, now that mm-hmm. it hasn't been true every day, I don't want to like present as if, oh, coronavirus, no, no problem, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I no. do think it, it reinforced this boundary mm-hmm. idea as something key to combating burnout. But there's also the other frame of mind that you were just talking about that this period has been a period of enlightenment for them, where they kind of just, they, they, they saw something that they've never seen before right? They didn't realize how much almost a, a, a burden work was. Work is a, is a certainly a financial necessity. We needed to pay the bills and whatnot. But uh, now people are becoming aware of like, look at how much stuff work has kept me from. Uh, look how, at how much of my life of things that I genuinely enjoy uh, that I typically would have missed that that work has made me do. Um, so yeah. I think those are those are other things too that I understand in order to not become burnt out, it's a daily practice, right? It's and, and you alluded to this on the road, even with like enjoying being released to go take a shower. A shower is like a necessity of life, right? It's not <laughs> something we should be reveling in or celebrating. But there are times when you, when you no doubt have pulled an all-nighter, right? And that simple thing of taking a shower didn't happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I know that there are daily habits that I have that I need that are combating burnout by making me um, just, just feel steady, right? Whatever my wake up in the morning, do A, B, C, and D. I need to do A, B, C, and D every morning because it starts the day off correctly. And so it's like a a form of self-care, but by doing that tiny bit of self-care, I'm not setting myself up to be day after day drudging through this feeling of burnout. Of course I deserve a shower and then some. I deserve a couple of showers, you know? Uh, it, It makes me think of, how, how, because burnout, let's be real, this, this topic has, has 
comp happened before us, it, it happens during us, and it's going to happen after us. But how do we how do we get here, right? So it makes me think of like kind of like the origin point of our individual burnouts of, uh, and, and, and you guys let me know what you think about this thought process of most of the time, the, the general theme in our industry is that we have joined our industry because we were passionate about it. And in, in whether we're passionate about the industry as a whole, we're passionate about the specific craft that we do, there was, there was, we were driven to it by a passion, right? We always compare it that, that we don't do the nine to five because we couldn't do that office life. Uh, but there was something about our industry that, that drove us, that attracted us to it. And, and we entered our industry with a passion, with, with, a, with life, with vigor for it, with great excitement. And because it was genuinely something that we enjoyed doing, uh, that we liked to do in the beginning was potentially just a hobby. And in the beginning, those first couple of paychecks, we kind of maybe even looked at those paychecks of like, wow, look, people are paying me just to have fun. People are paying me for me to have this hobby. And you kind of continue down that, that path. And all of a sudden that becomes like, oh, I've got more jobs. I've got more opportunities. I'm taking on more and more and more. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, there's potentially where that hobby, that fun became the work. And now all of a sudden you were in it. And, and that's how we've achieved the burnout. Uh, we achieved burnout out of passion, I guess, is, is me distilling that all. Uh, and I think uh, going back to what you said about that first, those first couple gigs where you're like, I tricked someone into paying me to do this. Uh, find, finding those projects is what helps cure burnout, right? Like, of course, there's the, the certain amount of like, get a good night's sleep, eat a salad that didn't come in a plastic container. I think finding those projects that, that motivate me and make me make me fall back in love with what we are privileged enough to do. And, you know, sometimes that is pushing boxes on a union call. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but being able to go in and do that gig and make those dollar bills and, and turn those dollar bills into something awesome um, is worth it and can be reinvigorating. Started thinking as we're talking about burnout, I think it, for me, it's coupled very much with um, overstressing myself. And I find that historically, no one, no one can put pressure on me like I can put on myself. And so when I have a project that, that's borderline possible and I'm trying to make it happen, that's when I stop sleeping. And I don't stop sleeping because I'm working. I'm st I stop sleeping because I'm thinking about the project all the time. And, and, and that pushes me into a, a cycle that after now that it's happened in a, a couple times and I'm you know, older, I can recognize it as I'm headed that way. But that really pushes me into a spiral of, of bad health. And, and I'm not able to it doesn't help me or the organization or the project when I get to that point. So I need to recognize that beforehand. But 
that in the moment burnout, the very first time it happened, I was a very young professional and I didn't have the support of my production manager and so on up the chain to, uh, to really stop a, a design that wasn't appropriate for the theater. Um, I won't get into too many specifics, but you know, it, it put me in the ER because I overstressed myself. And there was a little bit of pushing from my bosses. My contract was over in four weeks. No one was like, you'll never work in this town again. Like I've never worked in that town again, luckily. Um, but, you know, uh, I think that for me, that that's the most acute burnout I, I've had happen to me. And, and it was a mixture of pressure on myself and not having backup from my superiors that, that pushed in that direction. Um, but the long-term burnout from a job is, is real too, right? When you get out of those short contract um, projects or whatever, uh, that, there's a reason TDs retire early and move to the woods and build furniture, right? For me, the ability to be in control of my schedule um, and not be there post-tech as we're opening a show, provided, of course, the show is in a good space to open, uh, I, I need that. I need to say, no, I'm not going to be here. There's nothing for me to do and not to be treated like or involved in a culture that requires me to be, to be punching a clock. Um, which is why a lot of those those positions that are more long term just it's like counter to how I to how I function. Um, and then to sort of go back to what Herman said about burnout being caused by passion, I think there's a flip side of that coin in freelancing. I think it can equally be caused by fear, fear of turning down a contract that even though you internally know is not a good contract, if you turn it down, is there another one coming? Am I ever gonna work again if I turn company X down? Is anybody ever gonna call me for another job in my entire life? Or am I just shutting the door on my career right here and right now, even though I know this thousand dollar fee is not, is not worth doing this show? Um, and I think that can create a cycle of taking bad contract after bad contract after bad contract. And those bad contracts, the reason they're bad is they're not valuing you. And now you're not valuing you. And so you're just in this like horrible spiral of, of, um, of burnout. Mm -hmm. Here, hearing what you both just spoke about, um, your, your perspectives makes me, uh, makes me think that I, I need to go back and redact a bit of what I just said of uh, the fact that the topic of burnout is a topic that we've dealt with or dealing with and will continue to deal with. Uh, yes, we've dealt with it. Yes, we're dealing with it, but we shouldn't have to continue to deal with it. Uh, and, and, I, and I like to kind of be the optimistic one here and say that I feel like the industry at the very least is somewhat waking up to this. Um, and and after the accumulation of stories that you both just kind of gave for many people across our industry, uh, people are starting to look inward within the organizations 
and figure out what is it that we can do to avoid burnout across an organization, not necessarily for an individual, but across an organization. How, how do we together do this? It, it shouldn't be an individual's battle. Uh, it could easily be an organizational battle. Well, in entering those organizations that are in a spiral of burnout, one individual, three individuals coming in new cannot stop that spiral. They just become part of part of it. Burnout is it is it is bad. And and those jobs, it's really apparent really quickly if you're if your direct colleague is is burnout. They can be the best person on the planet, but once you're burnout and still there, it it's very apparent and just a entirely toxic environment for everybody who enters it. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's interesting across the three of us, um, we all have full-time jobs and then often take on other projects. And, and right now in the pandemic, right, we, we all have jobs and, and we decided to make a podcast, right? And we all, in, in the before times, we all had regular jobs and side project X, Y, and Z, right? And, and sometimes, even though it's more work, the side project or the side job or the thing you do every Thanksgiving or whatever it is, helps keep you appreciative of your main job or gives you that taste of that other world that you're completely competent in, but don't necessarily want to make it your day-to-day. And, and for me personally, a lot of my side jobs help keep me motivated as an educator and help support my work as an educator at my full-time job at UB to be able to bring the latest technology to my students, to let me have opportunities to travel or other things like that, that my quote unquote normal, my main job, my main hustle, right? Um, doesn't, doesn't necessarily afford me all the time. Uh, so it's sort of, uh, I, I'm in a very privileged position to be able to take the side work and apply it and, and schedule it alongside or with my normal work. Um, and, and that's not the case for everyone. You know, I think back to a previous job where I would take the bulk of my vacation days every year to go do another gig, um, which isn't something I would recommend. Uh, but doing that other gig helped keep me even and helped keep me appreciative of, of my of my main job and, and the perks and and infrastructure of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I. In a way, calling calling us out, uh, I'm including myself in this, I almost felt like we kind of covered a lot of ground with this topic, but at the same time, didn't come up with a specific answer to Angie's question here, because it's almost like a, a two-parter. There's, there's the recovery of the burnout factor, and then there's also reigniting the flame of that passion. Uh, how how it's not just enough to say like okay i feel well rested now it's i want to be able to say i'm well rested 
and I'm eager to go back to work. I'm eager to, to, to take that next show on, whatever that next task is on. The most important part to me for myself when it comes to burnout is identifying when it's coming up on me and I can rectify my habits and my like day-to-day quickly enough by by recognizing that I'm, I'm going into a negative tailspin um and that came from hard experience uh over a lot of years uh, of not doing the right stuff for myself that's actually as angie was pitching this question my instant thought was we'll just avoid it altogether, right? Don't cope with it. Don't recover from it. Just entirely avoid it. That said, like Angie is, you know, uh, early in her career in graduate school, which, you know, graduate school is burnout. Um, So she's in an entirely different space where the answer being, we'll just avoid it. That cannot actually be the answer for everyone, right? Um, and, and that ability to avoid comes with going through it a number of times and, and learning about yourself and your own needs. So it's about you and, and what you need and figuring that out. And that's a, that's a hard fought battle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as we come up towards the end of this episode here, uh, the, the three, if I were to call it three bullet points that it. Angie gave us when she asked a question uh, are manage, cope, and recover. Manage, cope, and recover from burnout. Uh, do, do we have an answer? Do What are short form? What are the thoughts? Know when it's coming. Know how to rectify your behavior and know what inspires you. And unfortunately, for for the context uh, of the audience, like I don't have the answer for everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think daily practice is how you both manage it and cope with it, right? What is that that daily practice? I, in that daily practice, I think it's also important to acknowledge that if you are burnt out, you actually are no good to the project, right? Mm-hmm. So taking a half an hour to go take a walk or, um, you know, I live in, I live in Florida. I've done some texts in Florida. So I'll eat dinner on my dinner break super quick. And then I'm out walking on the beach. Right. Um, so that I can be good to the, the project. Uh, and then in terms of recovery from the burnout, is it a cool project? that you need to get involved in something that really ignites your passion and is a good, smooth, collaborative project like John would like to do. Is it fleeing the scene and going on vacation like I would like to do? Um, You might have to try some of it out and, and sort it out. You might just need to sleep, right? Like (laughs) I, I think there's lots of different ways, but ultimately it's about yourself and finding that time and space for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're all in agreement that the the individual's way of how to recover for from burnout is up to the individual. It's going to vary from individual to individual. So it's being able to kind of recognize those signs and and having that balance of like I'm focused on work, I'm focused at whatever my task at hand is. But when I'm taking that 15 minute break, that meal break, whatever, 
use it for yourself, actually take it off and use that time to kind of do a little self analysis of like, how am I doing? What's going on? Uh, so for my response for manage cope recover, I think I'd like to address more from a group's perspective, uh, a group being a, a, a team, a department, an organization. Uh, there is, and I'm sure that our listeners can help me out with this, but there was a, uh, a study done recently, by recently, I mean probably like five years ago, uh, by a university in Virginia that showed the direct correlation of the more weeks that you put in over 40 hours, the less productive the individual becomes. And the longer you continue that cycle, you could be putting in 70 hours a week, you're really only getting 30 hours of productivity out of a person. Um, so what I say to the groups, what I say to the organization, uh, as, as I explain that, is we need to be better about realizing the fact that it's not just my problem. Burnout isn't just my problem. Burnout is a group problem. Therefore, my colleagues share in my pain uh, and we can help each other. So if, if, if I'm a carpenter, I can help out my fellow carpenter. You know, maybe I'm feeling a little more fresh than my colleague. So maybe we kind of work out a balance in order to kind of keep each other in check. You know, that's a small scale thing. Uh, department wide, you could do the same thing. How, how does the team uh, bounce around from show to show, venue to venue, depending what you're doing. Uh, but I also look at and speak to the organizations and we, you, you want these passionate people on your team. You want to have these skill sets on your team here and you want to retain them. So it's to your own benefit to figure out how to find a solution to burnout. So as an organization, look within and see what are the things that you can provide throughout the season uh, that are not just the pizza party, but something bigger to kind of help as a group recover. I call out to all my PMs out there. I definitely recognize the tricky tightrope that we walk as we fall between admin and production and, and the needs of both and trying to play uh, nice to both sides, making sure that everybody plays well in the sandbox. But there's little things. There's little things. So it's just about opening up your mind out there. Um, okay, guys. So that being said, I'd like to shout out to Angie again. Thank you for this. This is clearly a conversation that needs to continue. It cannot end here. Uh, we encourage people to continue these conversations on our social media. Uh, again, find us everywhere. Facebook, uh, uh, Instagram, or even on Twitter. Uh, and then reach out to us, engage with us. You can reach out to us on email if you got something more to say. We definitely welcome, love, love to hear more uh, from everybody about all this. And as far as listening to our podcast, anywhere that you like to listen to a podcast, you can listen to ours now. Uh, so find us there. So thank you again to John and Jen for joining me in this conversation. And we look forward to our next topic here uh, and stay tuned for what that's going to be on tonight's last call. Okay, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to our last call. Uh, this evening, we have another very special guest of ours that has graced us with her presence. Uh, Jay, why don't you give us a little intro of yourself to the listeners here? 
Hello, my name is Jabrian Morgan. My pronouns are she, her, they, them. I currently occupy the land of the Natchitoches tribe, and I am an undergraduate theater student at Northwestern State University in Louisiana. Awesome, awesome, welcome. Welcome to our little pod bar here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, well, you kind of answered our, our first question there that I usually like to ask of where you're at. Uh, you told us a school. So why don't you tell us uh, what, what's your interest? What's kind of your discipline area of focus right now? Um, so I do a little bit of everything, but my main focus is sound, uh, sound design and live sound mixing. Awesome. Very cool. Are you constantly just always kind of keeping an ear out for everything in your environment? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> always interested in that one new weird sound or whatever it is <laughs> in your house. Or anything. All right, Jay. So uh, once you finish up at Louisiana, uh, what, what's your next stop then? Um, so my first stop is going to be Colorado. Um mainly looking at Colorado Springs. There's a lot of really beautiful theaters out in Colorado. And I've talked to a couple people that do theater work out there and they say work is pretty consistent and a lot of good shows come through there. So I think that would be a good place to start with my career. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds very fun. Very beautiful uh, city out there. Nature wise. It's a, it's a great city there. Uh, awesome. Have you been able to venture outside of Louisiana? Um, not for the sake of theater, but I have been to Arkansas and I've been to Houston, Texas. Um, so that's about as far as I've been. I lived in California when I was younger. So that's about as far as my traveling experience goes. All right. All right. So a, a pretty big jump, a pretty big deal for you for multiple reasons. That's awesome. Cool. Well, Jay, we'll wish you the best of luck over there. And uh, please keep in touch with us here at 801 as far as how your progress goes and, uh, and, and any shows that you land over there and any uh, stories that you love to share about Colorado Springs. So looking forward to kind of hearing your updates. What's, what's something fun about yourself? What's the other side of Jay? Um, <laughs> uh, this is gonna sound really edgy, but I collect skulls, not like, <laughs> like animal skulls or anything, just like decorated schools i have one that's full of like um a type of jewel it's just a really fun thing i like to do they're all over my apartment <laughs> nice nice are they all like like human skulls no they're just they're um they're completely just like made skulls uh i try not to get anything that's like may come from somewhere it's not supposed to be from um so usually if we'll stop somewhere and there's a gas station or um when we went to arkansas there was a lot of like um mining places so just wherever i'm at if i see one i get one <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i went to arkansas and all i came back with was a skull <laughs> <laughs> um as, as it's kind of customary now uh, for our last call portions, uh, we, we've always kind of depended on our guests here to kind of prompt us on our next episode. So uh, I understand you've got something uh, to kind of bring forward our, our potential next prop, prompt here. Uh, so what do you got? Uh, I think the biggest question I've had now, especially as someone getting ready to graduate is kind of 
the best way to start putting yourself out there as a young professional. Um, I've heard just different opinions about like going about the union route or freelancing it for a while. So I was just kind of curious about um, what may be the best way to do that and also be successful in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So regardless of what anyone's discipline may be, what's the best path to take upon graduating? Yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So you've uh, we, we got union freelance, you've got full-time or part-time work kind of thing. Uh, very interesting. Definitely lots of different avenues and uh, lots of good stuff to talk about. Um, so thank you very much, Jay, for that, for that prompt. And hopefully uh, our conversation here can, at the very least, jog some new ideas in your head and, and kind of prompt some uh, next good steps there for you. Uh, or even more so from our listeners. Maybe we'll get some good feedback over there as well. So Jay, just wanna thank you very much for your time here. Uh, Thank you for joining us. And uh, again, please keep in touch. Thank you for having me.